0: All right, Bleeding, Clarit and Cobalt, off-season edition, no rest for the weary. A lot of front office changes, some coaching staff changes as well, surrounding RSL's uh, first team, which obviously will then affect Monarchs and Academy as well. We'll get into all that and much, much more as Ryan Hale, Trey Fitzgerald, spent some time with new Chief Soccer Officer and Sporting Director kurt schmidt kurt has been with the club last three years as the technical director but he is now the man overseeing everything on the soccer side of the organization for real salt lake we'll get into all that much much more on the other side bleeding claret and cobalt brought to you by one wire fiber Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month, without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant, out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big, Companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W I R E dot C O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community, they care about this club, and they care about you. All right, Ryan. Obviously, uh, a bit of news dropping uh, this week. Tom Bogert with the Athletic first about uh, 18 hours before it was made official. But Elliot Fall is no longer the club's general manager. Uh, RSL president John Kimball announcing that a global GM search is uh, underway by the Blitzer Smith ownership group. Uh, Kurt Schmidt who has been with the club for three years as technical director is now the sporting director and, and will serve as the club's chief soccer officer. Tony Beltran, the assistant GM will also take on additional responsibilities working with head coach, Pablo Mastrueni, uh, mapping out what 2024 and beyond looks like. Uh, Pablo Mastrueni, um saw some members of his coaching staff depart the club as well. So Matt Taylor, Brett Jacobs, And Nacho Hernandez, Nacho, the goalkeeper coach, had been in the academy under Martin Vasquez, left, came back, uh, I think, four years ago under Freddy Juarez. Uh, Matt Taylor and Pablo Mastroini were co-assistant coaches under Freddy Juarez, Pablo obviously getting the head job in August of 2021, initially on an interim basis. And then Brett Jacobs was brought in by Pablo for both the 2022 and 2023 seasons, so you know it's hard to say goodbye to those guys um they've been great servants of the club um they have a lot to be proud of but um uh their contracts were not renewed so um Pablo Kurt um Tony obviously working uh with John Kimball to you know fill those spots right and 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 not just on the coaching staff but support staff um this club's always evolving and growing the royals are coming back this year so that's Created a lot of energy and momentum as you try to, you know, build on that side of things as well, but all underneath one Real Salt Lake uh, club pyramid as part of what is called Global Football Holdings. That's the that's the umbrella for all the Blitzer um, soccer properties. So sometimes if you hear Kurt or Tony or Pablo or somebody say GFH, that's what that means, Global Football Holdings. Um, I think I usually say the Blitzer group, but... Um, Ryan Smith, especially post NBA all-star game, you know, he and his people are, are more and more involved now that, um, you know, the NBA all-star game has passed, but there's a lot of momentum around some of the other sports related things they're trying to do inside the state of Utah. So, um, it's a lot of collaboration, both internally and externally. So, um, obviously it's it's hard to say goodbye to somebody like Elliot who've been with the club 17 years starting as my intern back in, in 2007 becoming the club's videographer team administrator assistant GM um, and then ultimately the GM and and Elliot's obviously a very smart energetic energetic guy um, and we wish him the best of luck don't know quite yet what opportunities he will have Um There are people online recommending him for other GM jobs in MLS that are open. Um, For those of you that know Elliot, he is a Salt Lake City born and raised guy, Um, went to Judge High School, went to the University of Utah, and then came to Rail Salt Lake, has a one-year-old son, don't know know, what Elliot's appetite is for uh, leaving the state of Utah or leaving Salt Lake City. So that kind of stuff will play out. Um, in the press release today, uh, RSL President John Kimball did mention that that Elliott remains in discussions with the club for you know non specified uh, role. So who knows what that means? You know whether that's consultant, advisory capacity. I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, you know where this leads us. But very excited to sit down here today with Kurt Schmidt. Um, Kurt is somebody that has worked. Um, with the Galaxy, with Seattle Sounders, Inter-Miami. He's been an assistant coach in college. He's been a scout. Um, He's been part of many different front offices in a player personnel or a technical director role, and technical director was his title here since joining Real Salt Lake in February of um, 2021. So he's been part of this club for three seasons. I do believe – that we have a lot to be a proud of on the soccer side with the playoff appearances, the only Western conference team to make the playoffs the last three years, um, five out of the last six, you know, that's a credit. Anybody that's ever listened to Kurt or Elliot or Tony talk, uh, even Pablo as well. It's very collaborative environment here between the front office, the coaching staff, um, when good things happen, it's because ownership and front office and, uh, the coaching staff are all in alignment and, uh, and we've heard that from all of those guys in their various public appearances and, and, and certainly privately as well over recent years. So I don't expect that to change. Um, obviously, this there's no offseason in this in this sport, and so we announced the roster decisions a couple of weeks ago. We talked about those in the last show. Um, you've got the MLS Super Draft coming up here on December nineteenth. Preseason starts July or January, excuse me, thirteenth, and then the season I believe starts February twenty fourth. So not a lot of downtime um, for everybody, um, but there are. Monarchs roster building, RSL roster, uh, and now uh, coaching staff builds that need to happen, and uh, and we'll see you know who's in, who's out as uh, as we get through preseason and and certainly that 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 primary window, uh, which I think will open you know the first week of January. Uh, it'll go to end of April. So there will be opportunities for comings and goings via many, many different mechanisms as whatever the 2024 version of RSL looks like gets built. So um, Ryan, you've been inside outside widely connected to this club for a long, long time. Uh, What goes, I guess, through your uh, brain when you see on Twitter, you know, people talking about the Tom Bogart article that, that Elliot's out and some of those coaches are out and the uh, change is afoot here in Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, you really hit that cross section of like the business versus like the people inside, I guess. Yeah, but pr- perspective shift is always good. I yeah. think that there's that that's necessary. It's unfortunate when it does come at the expense of someone who you you know, you you like being around and wanna wanna see like in the hallway. But I think uh, you know, Elliot's experience was you know, you you kind of laid it out there, limited to his experience at RSL, <laughs> and which is not a bad thing. I think it was really—I mean, I think someone who saw, I think it is valuable to have someone who has seen what RSL was in 2007 yeah. to what it is now, and to yeah. kind of bridge those gaps and like connecting the different departments and having them work. Together. I think it was—it was—he was somebody that I think everybody was comfortable talking to um, publicly. I think he was definitely. Out of the spotlight as much as possible, but at the same time was willing to go on to radio every week yeah. and talk like that. Yeah. So I think kind of speaks to the transparency, the idea that I think I think is kind of core to what RSL has. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, I, I wish Elliot the best of luck. I have no doubt that he's going to find the great position for himself, mm-hmm. wherever that is, whatever that is. But yeah, thankful that he was here. I'm thankful we got to see like kind of what the what it does if you're a salt lake kid and you just kind of rise through like to the top of you know so <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a crazy story like really it is to yeah. think about like and i'm yeah, tough to see him go but i'm excited for the is it i don't think it's i don't think it puts any shade on my <laughs> what i think about elliot or what he did sure do, like say like i got the 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 shake-up kind of is it's interesting and exciting yeah. and i think you're talking about like what it what it kind of it goes down the line and you have things like um Coaches coming up from other places, and yeah. p- things have to change in the Monarchs now, and all sure. sorts of different things. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what what happens. And I think that's kind of the shakeup is going to be, I think, a positive thing for ourselves ultimately. Yeah, change
0: is difficult, but it does create energy. And you know, a, a couple thoughts here. Dave Checkitz used to always talk about how um, like Garth Loggerway and Jason Christ, the head coach and the GM he just wanted them to get in a room and fight like cats and dogs over the things they disagreed with because his belief was that ultimately it would polish the final product. And while we didn't see that in 2007 when they both kind of came into the the leadership positions in the club, we certainly started seeing it a little in 08, definitely 09 which, you know, Garth will tell you was a year early, and then 10, 11, 12, 13, even 14 under Jeff Kassar, that was a a core group of you know i think we had in 13 and 14 we had 10 guys that had spent five seasons or more together as part of that core group so um change is good it creates that energy um the other thing i learned very early in my sports career uh when i was at the denver nuggets is coaches and gms those are jobs where you're hired to be fired and the clock you know we've heard pablo talk about it. the clock starts ticking on your first day and you know you don't know when the alarm's going to go off but um and that's that's the downside of the excitement of having the opportunity to be um, an architect of a roster as you know Garth Lagerway used to always tell Elliot and I um the one thing about being a GM is it's it's the one job that literally every fan thinks they know how to do better than you and that's there's a fun part of that right there's an exciting part of that but especially in this online toxicity world that we sometimes live in it can it can wear on you look uh it's no secret that ellie and i are, are very close um he's done a phenomenal job um throughout his career with this club and uh this club is growing and expanding and maybe like me and like john kimball like others maybe someday he comes back you know who knows um it's a small soccer world life is a long time but um you know, we love Elliot. We appreciate him and we wish him nothing but the best of luck. I think everybody in the organization, including ownership, feels that way. But the change is good. And the change is, as we get into here with Kurt Schmidt momentarily, um, the change will maybe refine the margins, um, create the energy that, that the first team, the club, the locker room, everybody needs to. Um, carve out a few more points and and move up those Western Conference standings. As Pablo, I thought, very eloquently said in his uh, exit interviews at the end of the season, you don't start in fifth place at 50 points and build on that. you got to go back to zero. And so it starts in January about building that chemistry. And, and, and as Kurt kind of alludes to, you've got a guy like Chicho who will have his first preseason – with the team, uh, you'll have fresh blood on that coaching staff implementing, uh, alongside Pablo, you know, what the plan is for next year. So, um, still probably a lot more questions and answers, but, um, I think Kurt, Kurt does a pretty good job of giving us a 30,000 foot view of what, um, that vision, that philosophy and, and all the things that are under his purview now, uh, where we try to go here and, uh, starting in January.
1: Before we get into Kurt, I wanted to make sure that we uh, touched on some of the Royals' news from this last week. Sure, Um, player announcement, I guess, is the main. The main, yeah, Amani Dorsey,
0: big fan of Amani. She signed with the Royals as a free agent from the champion uh, Gotham FC. Um, Amani was the NWSL Rookie of the Year in 2018. Came out of Duke University, scored a boatload of goals in college. Played for Sky Blue, which is what Gotham rebranded from um, a few years ago. Um, really fascinating person, and Amani, I think right now has the distinction of being the first and only, to my knowledge, NWSL player to have taken advantage of um, language in the CBA that allows her to take uh, took a mental health break and get paid. Uh, so she missed most of the 2023 season uh, while on this break. And if you go to Amani Dorsey's Instagram, and we've linked to it in, you know, um, some of the articles on the website about her joining the Royals, she talks a lot about what a transformative process um, and how vital that was for her to kind of rediscover her love of soccer. And, you know, we all, whether we acknowledge them or not, I think everybody has mental health Issues and it's something that's critically important to um, maintain, to acknowledge, to heal. And uh, I really, in my brief conversations with her over the last couple weeks as we got ready for this announcement, talking to her not just about that, but her excitement to come to Utah and train in the Harriman facility every day and how she described uh, Amy's vision for the Royals and Kelly Cousins. Vision for the Royals is just, um, I think, supremely exciting. And so the Royals now have six players on the roster. Um, maybe some more announcements um, next week with either uh, f- uh, more free agents or there's also restricted free agents, which means the Royals uh, or the other expansion side, Bay FC, honestly, any team can make an offer. And then the the current team of that player, can match that offer and keep that player. So um, and then mid-December, I think it's the 15th, you'll have the uh, the expansion draft uh, featuring Utah Royals FC and BFC. And then in January, you'll have what used to be called the NWSL college draft, but it's just called the NWSL draft now. Um, so keep an eye out on the Royals socials and on the website to get educated about all that stuff. A lot of cool things happening. Um, I know Amy is also trying to hire support staff and assistant coaches and 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 that royals organization is going to flesh out and i believe their season will start um you know, three, four weeks hopefully after the MLS season kicks off. So was that, mid to late March is I think the NWSL calendar. I, I apologize. I don't have all those details at the top of my head. But um, exciting times indeed around this club and uh, 2024 out at America First Field on on probably most Wednesday and Saturday nights and certainly out here in Harriman on a daily basis seeing these teams train along with the Monarchs in the academy. It's just uh, it's a lot of soccer and a lot of fun.
1: We're well, looking forward to another full week of uh, you know nothing happening around here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's off seasons and then there's this off season. So uh, again, exciting times and uh, not always easy, but you can feel the energy. Season tickets are selling great for uh, both of the the senior clubs, I guess I'll call them you know RSL and Utah Royals. And, uh, you know, we're waiting on schedules, we're waiting on dates for openers, um, on top of all the roster building and club building that, that's happening. So, um, a lot will happen between now and Christmas. Maybe you'll get a little bit of a, of a news break, uh, that week between Christmas and, and New Year's, and then it'll all start up again. So we're, we're starting to get the emails for various league meetings and draft protocols and all that fun stuff, uh, that's happening in December and January. So, um, thanks for asking about the Royals. Um, on the other side of this break, we will hear from RSL Chief Soccer Officer and Sporting Director Kurt Schmid right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Welcome on in, everybody. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale here with you, and we are honored to be joined today by Rail Salt Lake's new Chief Soccer Officer and now Sporting Director, Kurt Schmidt, who used to be the club's Technical Director. We'll get into some of these uh, semantics here shortly, but Kurt, thank you for taking the... Time today is uh, we have announced a few changes in the organization, changes in the front office, changes on the coaching staff. But uh, first and foremost, congratulations to you. You've obviously been uh, an integral part of this front office for the last three seasons. Um, what is going on in your head, in your heart as we announce these changes? And, and honestly, it's a very short offseason as we get ready for 2024.
2: Yeah. Um, and look for personally, very, very excited for the opportunity and the challenge uh, that lies ahead. Um, being, you know, growing into a, into a larger role, um, you know, is it's always a challenge, but it's one that, that I'm always eager to face. Um, but along with that, obviously, you know, there were a lot of a lot of departures recently and, and those are always hard you know never easy and when you work closely with people um you develop relationships and it's it's hard when 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 those working relationships
0: end some of these titles mean different things in different organizations so sporting director gm technical director Assistant GM, etc., cetera, etc. Obviously, you and Tony Beltran will continue to work very closely together with Pablo Mastroeni and and his staff, as well as the Monarch staff, the Academy staff, uh, support staff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But how would you kind of describe maybe for a fan that ha- honestly has no idea what a sporting director does in our organization? How would you describe? all the things that you and the people you supervise touch each uh, each season
2: uh, honestly, it's probably a little bit easier to wrap your mind around than a technical director. Um, got a lot of IT jokes uh, with that one, but uh, but as far as a sporting director, it, it you know it's roughly what it sounds like, which is the sporting side of the club is is what falls under me, and so I'm excited to lead that that part of the club. You know the the soccer side, the on field side. You know whether that's obviously players and contracts and roster construction and management to you know coaching staffs from the first team down into the academy me and overseeing the technical side of the club the soccer side of the club um so it's i think it's a little bit maybe easier to understand in that way but you know anything that's involves the the sporting side of the club is is something that i'll oversee
0: yeah obviously you know i think your resume within our league is is pretty well known um scouting recruiting salary cap management, roster building, you know, those are the big pieces, those are I, th- I think are the pieces that are exciting for fans, but um I feel like watching you f- a little bit from afar over the last I don't know 18 months, you've really been extremely involved with how our club is connected in the Blitzer or Global Football Holdings, GFH, I don't think publicly a lot of people know that that's the acronym we use, but um, the loans going back and forth, whether it's training stints, permanent um, transfers and loans between RSL and all of the Blitzer properties overseas. How has that kind of grown, um, I guess, under the first 22 months of uh, the Blitzer Smith uh, ownership arrangement?
2: Um, it's grown a lot, you know, and I think Tony's done a really good job of forging relationships um, with people at those various clubs in the academy level and the second team level where um, we've been able to send a lot, of, a lot of kids across, and he's done an excellent job of that, along with John Spencer. Um, and, you know, I've, I've tried uh, over the past uh, year plus to forge those relationships with the, with the first team side and their sporting directors over there. Um, I actually just got back uh, relatively recently from Europe. But visiting as many of those clubs as I could. Um and, you know, just seeing people face to face and just makes it easier to to make and take phone calls, you know, once you've have made the effort to go out there and and see someone in person. So um I think there's always the possibility and potential for movement within the group. Um it's not uh you know it's not something that's gonna happen every day, obviously, but mm. when the time's right, I think we'll find the right opportunities to work together.
0: Is it difficult, I think, to balance your time from what is important on like a day-to-day standpoint and then looking ahead to the next transfer window, right? Like you've got to got to keep all those balls in the air. We're coming off a season where I think if you look at the January window and the July window of 2023 – Those were enormously successful. We brought in a lot of talent, uh, either at a DP level or a U22 level. Obviously, if you go back to 2022, you've got Savarino and Julio coming back. You've got Luna coming in, Oviedo, Ojeda, uh, etc. A lot of player movement that I think when you see the roster uh, decisions at the end of the year, maybe it seems like we're very stable, but we still have a lot of players that have only been here 6 months, 12 months, 18 months. How satisfied, I guess, is probably not the right word, but how satisfied are you with um, the fruits of those labors to bring those guys in? And then as we look forward to accomplish, honestly, like, 2023, the margins were so thin, and you can look at the shootouts with Houston. You can look at the home record where maybe a couple more points earned here or there. Get you from fifth place to second or even first in the West, such a tightly packed, I mean, six points away from St. Louis. We could go on and on, but kind of where's your head at in terms of how the roster is currently constructed, uh, what the club is trying to do as soon as January to, to give Pablo and that locker room whatever they need to, uh, to maybe go a few steps forward next year?
2: yeah, zero percent satisfied not at all satisfied Trey. Um, but but still happy with the work that we've been able to do in those transfer windows and you know I think stability is a, is a good thing in MLS uh, in any team uh, any 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 league in the world um, but stability is a good thing where players can grow, with each other, grow with a coach, um, learn each other's tendencies, get to know each other really well. You know that type of stability is always a positive. I think, um, and it's even more so when. You know, you look at the young players we've brought in and these are all players that we expect to continue to develop and to continue to take the next step. Um, you know, you saw the beginning of it was with, with like Diego at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. You saw Andreas start to, you know, come into his own in certain ways as well. Nelson Palacio, you know, played maybe even more than he thought he would with the injury of Pablo Ruiz, um, but him and Brian Ojeda, you know, forging that partnership with the midfield. So when you've got um, young players like that, Emeka Anelli, Bodhi, Hidalgo, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys even Brian Vera, because I forget how young he is. Sometimes he's still a young player. you know, it's, it's a positive to have that stability because these players can grow with each other. Uh, a lot of every, almost every one of those players I mentioned uh, just completed their first full or half season in MLS. Um, I think there's a, there's always an adapting adaptable nature to MLS where players tend to, you know, take maybe six months to 12 months to figure it out and then yeah. they can succeed a little more after that. So I think, uh it, you know, the stability is a good thing. The roster is yeah a little more full than it can be in, in a lot of off seasons, that means there might be not a, you know, there might not be as much room for movement, but I think there's, there's probably going to be a little bit of outgoing movement before the incoming, um, which is fine. It's no problem. Yeah. You know, it's work that, that we've got to do and we'll get it done.
0: Yeah, a lot of MLS mechanisms coming up uh, in December. Obviously, you've got waivers, you've got re-entry one and two, you've got the super draft. Um, I think RSL, and I don't honestly know how this compares to the rest of the league, but when you look at the last couple college drafts with Jasper, Elijah Paul, uh, Berton, obviously Emeka, who you mentioned, um, we've really found some kind of diamonds in the rough, I think, compared to previous RSL drafts and certainly around the league. Uh, you mentioned just being in Europe, watching the Larn experience through Hazi Orozco and Elijah Paul's um, experience uh, and eyes has been really fun, I think, for RSL fans. Obviously, Berton uh, went overseas for a cup of coffee and he's back. So I think those are some of the exciting things. Xavier uh, Gozo now heading over to Red Bull Salzburg on a training stint. Um, how valuable are those experiences for young players? Uh,
2: they're hugely valuable. Um You know, I think for players that, especially players that develop you know, their whole lives and careers here for them to take a step outside their comfort zone and be exposed to something different, whether it's a two week training stint or loan spell is, is invaluable to how they see the game, how they develop as professionals, how they learn how to be professionals and deal with adversity when it comes up, um, and adapt and change and get better. Cause you know, look, there's a lot of players that are really good. And, you know, I don't know if it's a uniquely American phenomenon, but I've seen tons of players that have a ton of potential and you know they maybe stay at one place and maybe it's not going great and everyone says oh but they have potential they have potential and they keep them and they keep them and it never pans out and then i see guys that have a ton of potential they hit a bit of a roadblock. they get cut and you know for whatever reason that flips a switch in their brains they hit that adversity how do they respond you know and they kick on and and they do great things after that and so you know it's trying to sometimes that's a thing that we need to try to manufacture within our developmental pipeline. Is that something we can manufacture through these loan moves potentially? Mm. It could be right. And the Lauren experience is really interesting, um, because it's, it's an, it's a really competitive, intense environment for, for the guys. And it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, where the level stacks up. I mean, that's always a tough question to answer and ask as far as between Monarchs and MLS and USL and all that. But to me, that's less important than the experience the boys are having there Mm Um, the intensity of the games the fans you know the game matters to people over there that uh, ability to handle you know that type of pressure in those moments mm-hmm. is huge especially you know I mean, you look at how young Hasiel is and Elijah's a young player in his right. first professional year and you know can they can they win their spots can they earn their spots you know if they have a setback whether it's a red card or an injury can they win it back when they're when they're eligible again all those things are invaluable experiences that you know those whether it's whether whether they come back here and use those things here or you know that's a platform to something else you know that we don't know but those are things that they can use and and learn from as they go forward
0: a year ago we sent a ton of guys from academy from monarchs and first team on various uh, two-week training stints, et cetera. Obviously, some of that was easier, I guess, because of the calendar with the World Cup break that w- that we had. It's such a short turnaround from, you know, the Houston third-leg loss to the beginning of, of preseason. So I imagine there's probably a, a fewer uh, amount of uh, – a lesser amount, I should say, of of those stints. But as you just elucidated, and, and you know, for a guy like, let's say, Gavin Beavers, who did have – I don't know, 10 first team starts this year across all competitions. Uh, uh- are, are there are there some monarchs players and other academy kids that that we're going to be able to give those experiences to this year
2: yeah and and we've been doing it you mentioned yeah. gozo uh, you know Gozo's going to salzburg and that's something that is obviously not in our network but it's something that we support um you know obviously he's under contract here you know we we sent omar uh, marquez mm-hmm. and dom Berrios, you know to augsburg we've sent players over to bromby to train Um, you know, Otto Den Haag and obviously Lauren and, and all that as well. So, you know, Gavin Beavers, who you mentioned spent time this past, this past year at, you know, at palace. so we've, um. We've, we've found, you know, trying to find the right opportunity is important because you want to send players over there at good moments when they're playing well, when they deserve it, that have high potential, you want to send them to the right place where they can succeed, but also be challenged. Yeah. Um, so we put a lot of thought into that. yeah you know, we didn't send as many maybe Monarchs players over this year, but no. I don't think we needed to. Um, there were maybe a couple situations where it didn't work out for logistical reasons, mm-hmm. but it's always something that we're looking at.
0: Switching gears a little bit, as the chief soccer officer, do you want to announce the fourth DP rule change here now, or uh I'm just kidding? I know I that's not, not. I do not. I know that's not done. <laughs> We've seen rumors online of that. Like I guess, as MLS has evolved, and you've seen it from multiple viewpoints with different organizations and different positions in your career, is a fourth DP necessary? Is is loosening the reins on the salary cap? Is it? Is it simplifying the rules? I know there's a lot of owners that have a lot of different views on this, but um, how do you think this league and teams in this league can continue to grow and improve from a quality standpoint, and maybe also compete in the world market financially uh, with some with some rule changes?
2: I mean, yeah, I think when you ask, is this or that rule change, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, beneficial or not, I think you just have to reframe the question or, you know, throw the, like turn the question around and say, well, what's your goal? Um, if your goal is to maintain competitive balance above all else, is adding mm-hmm. more DPs going to help that? No. Yeah. Um, if your goal is to increase the the average or the, the quality at the top of the league, is that going to help? Yeah. That'll help a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an argument certainly that with you know the the Messi coming to the league and and that situation, it creates an environment where you know there should be more spent on top end quality. And even if that does lead to um, a little less competitive balance, so I think that argument is is one that you know some teams and maybe owners are making. Um, you know, but I think I think it just depends on what your goal is, whether that's yeah. a good idea or not. I think there's lots of things that. Uh, the league can do or the league has done to increase spend and to increase quality on the field, whether that's obviously the cap increasing, the introduction of the DP rule in and of itself, um, or or like TAM and things like that, even the U twenty two rule. So those have been um positives and increasing the quality and it'll be up to the, you know, the the owners at the league level to to see what they how they want to take the next step.
0: What would you say your goals are As you know, because RSL has called itself the homegrown factory. Obviously, the academy hugely important. We've seen again top three or four in the minutes uh, played by academy players every year here. But then this year was maybe a market change, going out and getting a Chicho Arango, spending the money on Andres Gomez. Obviously, you were you know spearheading a lot of these these moves. You mentioned Vera. Like I I love the way we've utilized virtually every option. Available to fill out this roster. So uh, what is your mandate going forward? uh, You know, in, let's say, in the next two to five years to to continue to grow this club
2: player development is is hugely important to to me and the club broadly and ownership and whether that's. You know that that's players from our academy. That's players that we invest in. Uh, you know, like the U twenty two initiative players and Diego Luna, those types of guys. Um, but player development is is key, regardless mm-hmm. of of the source. And obviously, we want to get to a point where you know we can we can cont- continue to turn out players from the academy and bring those players through. And I think that we are after maybe a bit of a lull. Um, I think we're at the precipice of, you know, really seeing some kids that have the ability and are ready to start coming through and matriculate into the first team over the next couple of years. And it's, it's really exciting. Honestly, there's some, obviously guys like Gozo and and Axel Kai debuted recently, Mm -hmm. but I think that's like the tip. The tip of the iceberg at least that's you know that's my perception and you know i i I hope so and then it comes to fruition but i think we've got a lot of good young players in the academy that are that are coming through so player development is going to continue to be important but you know you mentioned chicho we we know that you can't you know you can't throw out 11 kids on the field and you know and, and expect to win every game now you know maybe you age is just a number right and experience and quality are are the real barometers and so we know that you know you need you know if a guy has enough experience at 23 24 well is he a young player or not right Um, but a player like Chicho can come in and tie a lot of that stuff together and you've got a quality player who's been around the block a little bit he's not that he's not old but you know he's not he's not a kid Um, and he can help bring those guys along and also you know at times maybe he makes the Easier for some of these guys, for Diego and Andreas, who's on the field together. You know, sometimes he can finish a chance that someone else doesn't finish, which you know makes again takes a little pressure off, and that helps. And so we know that you know whether it's Chicho or other players who we might you know either sign or or play, uh, you know that add a little more experience around the young players that we have that are you know very bright. You know, we think that's a, a good complementary uh, system and way to go about it.
0: Uh, last question, obviously. I've I've been fortunate enough to kind of see firsthand how close you uh, are and were to Elliot and Matt Taylor, Nacho, uh, Brett Jacobs. Um, I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of um, express your feelings on on their departures and, and thank them for their service.
2: Yeah, I think obviously you know Elliot's been at the club a long time and he's given given a lot to the club. You know before. I got anywhere near Utah, so um, it's really hard to see people go. Especially someone who has spent so much time here and been such a part of the fabric of the club for such a long time. Um, you know, Matt and Brett, you know, weren't here as long, but but gave everything they had, and we really appreciate that and thank them for for what they did. And you know, we think you know, we 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 again, it's a difficult decision to move on from people and and all that, and that's you know, decisions that we felt needed to be made.
0: I know you got to get through uh, the draft here in a couple weeks. A lot of coaching hires all over the the three uh, teams, the first team, the Monarchs, the Academy, and some other positions. So thank you for your time. We'll catch up with you again in January and talk about the roster and where it stands going into preseason. But uh, congratulations, Kurt. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. And uh, really excited uh, heading into season number 20 for Real Salt Lake big number 20 big 20 nice all right thank you all right ryan um great stuff there from kurt Schmitt. again really appreciate his time and obviously a, a, a little bit of a i don't know strange day because things are happening fast and furious you gotta say goodbye you gotta plan you know for what's happening uh there's just no shortage of, of things to do, of people to talk to. And, and we appreciate Kurt taking a few minutes to to spend some time with us in the middle of the 5 million other things that, that he's got going on right now. Obviously, more news will come out in the coming weeks about um, staff additions, staff changes, player changes, loan moves, uh, training stints. um As we talked about uh, before the Schmidt interview, there's just no shortage of of news and things happening around the Real Salt Lake Pyramid. So we really appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing. However you uh, listen to your podcast, please do uh, comment on the socials at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. There's a message function there, or you can email us rsltrey at gmail.com. As uh, some of the Royals players and staff uh, relocate to Utah, we'll have a lot of opportunity to hear from them in January. And uh, certainly, um, We look forward to all the things happening on the RSL side, you know, Pablo Ruiz coming back healthy, uh, Chicho Arango coming back uh, to Utah, where he clearly loves if you look at uh, his Instagram, and uh, so much, much more happening all over uh, those rosters. We really appreciate you, and um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.